0: Welcome to Nursing Education Insights, an Elsevier podcast for nursing instructors, keeping you in the know with the latest in the field as we talk with leading nursing education experts on the key issues that matter to you. As we are all aware, the landscape of nursing education is continuously changing. In our very first episode of Nursing Education Insights podcast, our host, Danielle Comte, discusses these changes with a few key nursing educators. We are excited to have Donna Spidey give insight to the upcoming NGN. Donna, in her current role as Director of HESI Content Operations at Elsevier, managed all aspects of content development and operations for HESI testing and curriculum content, which includes ensuring successful integration of next-generation NCLEX content, bringing over 30 years of experience as a nurse and over 10 years of experience as a nurse educator to her role. It brings great pleasure to discuss competency based education, patient care and patient safety with our second guest, Cheryl Wilson, who is a nurse educator for shadow health at Elsevier, bringing together clinical, educational and simulation expertise in building realistic evidence based virtual patient simulations. As an expert in her curriculum development and design, she advocates for integration of meaningful simulation experiences at all levels of training, including for new graduates. We are delighted our third guest on the show today, Megan Ubin, will be sharing her insights on patient care and what happens when students are below the red. As a senior nursing education specialist at Elsevier, Megan is passionate about student learning and success, Megan has taught associate and baccalaureate nursing programs and served as chair for an undergraduate curriculum committee. Her clinical expertise is in pediatric nursing
1: and she has an MSN in nursing education. Hi everyone, and welcome to our inaugural Elsevier Education podcast episode. I'm your host Danielle Lacomte, the director of product marketing for Elsevier's eSolutions division. As we all know, the future of healthcare and nursing education is constantly changing and evolving, and with those changes come new challenges with helping students develop clinical judgment and ultimately what we're doing as as educators to help shepherd them from education to successful clinical practice. That's why I'm so delighted to dive deeper into this conversation with our guests today to get some really special perspective from some of our key Elsevier experts and insiders on these essential topics and trends. Donna, Cheryl, Megan, thank you so much for being with us today to launch our very first episode of the Elsevier Education Podcast. So, as we know, the NCSBN has introduced a brand new format of the NCLEX that is imminently upon us and is set to launch in April of 2023 for those students that will be taking licensure then. So, Donna, I'm going to start with you. Why is this change to the NCLEX so important?
2: Thanks, Daniel. So NCSBN made this change, and it's really important to, let's step back for a second and take a deep breath and go back to some foundation, where we were many years ago, actually in 2013, when this conversation started, to now in 2023, when the next generation NCLEX is actually going to roll out. NCSBN measures minimal competency on their new graduates to ensure that they are safe and effective practitioners. In 2013, some research was conducted. NCSBN actually looked at the strategic practice analysis that is conducted every three years to determine the safety and where the students were with their ability to perform sound clinical judgment. What they noticed was approximately 60% of nurses were actually performing errors at some point in their practice. With that, 80% of employers were not satisfied with the ability of the new grads to be able to perform safely at the bedside in their first year of practice. So the question was raised, are we asking the right questions? You know, now our NCLEX is the greater majority is multiple choice or select all that apply items to ensure that these students can, can think clinically. When they're answering the items now, They're in one moment of time, one moment of time with one condition and one patient. However, going forward in 2023, the new items will be over time. The patient can have multiple conditions and multiple questions. Um, an unfolding case will consist of six questions, one of each skill within that clinical judgment measurement model, which will take that student through multiple tabs within an item and take them through a journey the patient's journey for that time in order to determine if that student is able to pick out the right cues and answer the items appropriately. So that's kind of a little foundation of what happened and why they're making the switch. The national pass rate has remained above 80%. However, they're noticing that the students are just not able to perform soundly when they leave the world of education and join the world of bedside nursing.
1: Perfect. That's great insight, Donna, on why the NGN is happening and really the, what the why behind it in terms of patient safety and really bridging that education to practice gap. So let's tell our audience a little bit about how do they get ready. What can they do today if maybe they haven't started? What they what they should be doing and thinking about as they're preparing, uh, not only their students but their themselves as, as well as their institution for getting ready and prepped for that. That next generation of NCLEX?
2: Great question, Danielle, because really that's that's really important for the faculty and the students. So, when we talk as faculty about that next generation NCLEX, I really hope that right now, today, we're already introducing this into the classroom. That's crucial for the students that are in a program today that um, will graduate anytime you know, beginning January of next year, all the way past that point. Now in the classroom is where they should know, they should be exposed. Um, The NCSBN has a wonderful resource website, um, The Next Generation Resources that has tons of samples, loads of research to help the faculty and it, it is not, it's a really good idea for the faculty to go in and show these students every type of item that could possibly be, the student could be exposed to. All those types of questions, show those students that layer three, that clinical judgment measurement model, show it to them so that they can understand, get them involved, bring it to the classroom, Um, Allow the students to even try to write an item so that they can get that exposure. The more exposure, the better it is. It's similar to learning how to drive a car. You don't give the keys to the 16-year-old and run out and say, okay, go drive. We're going to take a test ride and we're going to go and we're going to practice and all the good things about learning how to drive. This is the same principle. We want to take those students on a test drive, allow them to see the items to practice on those items, to even try to write them, like I said earlier. The more they get that exposure, the better they will be. Bring it to the classroom. Um, Turn the classroom into a clinical experience. The day of PowerPoint and continuous lectures really should be gone. We should take clinical and bring every clinical experience that you possibly can into the classroom and allow those students to talk about the patient or the client that has whatever condition, asthma. Um, here's an example, walking in the door, um, they've already had your PowerPoint, you've given it to them ahead of time, they've been able to read it and we walk in them the perfect example is to say something like, today you have Mrs. Jones and she has asthma and give her a quick, give the students a quick clinical background on this patient. And then turn around and say something like, okay, what medication would you expect that client to be receiving? What procedures might that client go, um, have to go through? And, and just take them through the clinical day. Who else may be on the care team? Who may we consult with? And just keep asking questions. Now's the time to ask the questions and allow them to be wrong. It's better to be wrong in the classroom than it is to be at the bedside. So the more we ask questions and the more we... Expose them to the different varieties of what is going on in the in the real world, which is the great thing about these next generation NCLEX items. They perform better and bring that student into a real clinical environment. So allowing these students to practice going through a chart and and responding appropriately and just thinking outside the box. You know, if they, if they say it's a wrong med, it's okay. That's the time to educate. The more they learn, and if they make a mistake now, they, they'll remember that error and they won't do it again. So if a student has, you know, if they say the wrong med, or if, even if they say the right med, Why would you expect that? What signs and symptoms might you expect? What contraindications? Just bring them full circle. All the things that they have to think about at the bedside, giving a drug, what contraindications may, you know, as a nurse, you're going to look for all those wonderful things, but really important right now is to take that student and bring that clinical experience into the classroom and allow those students to just think through and really go through and and make the classroom a real life experience. I love that idea, Donna.
3: One of my best nursing mentors um, in education, she said... Take every PowerPoint slide away that you have that mentions signs and symptoms. You're taking away the um, opportunity for your students to critically think when you give away all the answers in your lecture, and your PowerPoint. So kind of purposely removing some of those slides and having them make those decisions and come to those conclusions is such a great way to get them involved. I so
2: love that, Megan. It's so true because these, we have to give them the opportunity to think as long as we keep them on a bottle, they're going to remain babies, but we want them to grow up. We want these students to grow up and become practitioners and, and take care of our patients and be safe and all that great stuff. But if we don't allow them to think they're not going to learn how to do it. So I just so love it. And it's so true. We want to do this and it's something I, as a faculty member, I did all the time. I walked in and they they sigh, oh, here she is, because they knew I really wasn't going to teach by PowerPoint. We were going to talk about whatever the process is and make it real, make it lively, bring some life to the classroom instead of just the PowerPoint. I think that's that's crucial to the success of this particular um, next generation NCLEX. That's what's going to make it real for our students. So that's wonderful
1: perspective, Donna and Megan, on how we can really give our instructors tangible ways to give students the opportunity to practice infusing those clinical scenarios and practice um, with those clinical judgments in the classroom. And it sounds like early and often exposure to those clinical judgment scenarios, as well as those new items that the students will see is really how instructors are going to be poised for success in preparing students for that next generation of NCLEX that's imminently upon us. So let's shift gears a little bit to a topic that's tangentially related to the changes in the NCLEX in terms of measuring students' clinical competencies. And that is the shift we're seeing to competency-based education. Cheryl, would you mind giving us some perspective on competency-based education and how you see this transforming nursing education, and then what implications this might have for our educators and institutions?
4: Great. Thank you, Danielle. Happy to talk about competency-based education today. As we know, this is a little bit newer in nursing education. And thanks to the AACN New Essentials that were released in 2021, we are now facing this dilemma of how to develop competency-based education um, and nursing programs. And so the struggle right now is to... For faculty to, to understand how they can adapt the curriculum that they currently have, um, find out where they have any of their gaps, and determine what they need to do in order to really demonstrate meaning in these competencies. So one of the things I think is really just to have that base understanding of what is competency-based education? What does it mean to educators? And really, it's thinking about that set of knowledge, skills, and attitudes that can be applied to multiple clinical situations and allowing learners to solve very complex problems when they are considering their patients. And so they're able to demonstrate the ability to meet these competencies in multiple ways. And I think that's one of the biggest struggles for faculty right now is determining, okay, how do I measure this? How do I evaluate this? Because it's not going to be just about taking a multiple choice exam. And we have the next gen NCLEX questions that Donna and Megan just talked about. And that's one way of demonstrating you know, some of the knowledge that you understand, but when you think about how to really demonstrate that your learners are meeting these competencies, it's going to come down to actually clinical simulation, being able to show how knowledge and skills and attitudes are being met for these competencies. So I think there's um, a lot of uh, conversation around how to do this and how to evaluate this and determine what programs need to do in order to do this. I think, you know, just from my experience in the last year and a half of thinking about and talking to faculty about competency based education, you know, they're really worried about how How do we have these active learning environments, and how do we have the right scenarios, and how do we know if our students are really able to sit confidently say that I have achieved this, Um, and faculty are able to make those connections and track it through their entire program. So I think this is really you know an important point that you know paying attention to what's coming out from ACN, looking to solutions that will help with. um, meeting those competencies and allowing your students to demonstrate those competencies really will help faculty in delivering this for their entire curriculum. One of the big things is they want to make sure that they really are developing those outcomes and that they're very clear and measurable. So the learners and the faculty know what the expectations are. We know that courses in a curriculum really need to be mapped um, to these learning outcomes and also they need to be delivered at a level that is appropriate. Um, understanding that, you know, fundamental skills are really something that should be, um, you know, very basic and is used as a foundation to build on for the rest of their program. So you're not going to be teaching a fundamental skill when you have a student that is getting ready to graduate and vice versa. So you're not going to be teaching complex um, management of a ventilator uh, in a first semester of a nursing program because it's just not appropriate and not leveled appropriately. And then making sure that faculty are involved every step of the way to ensure that they have a say in building this curriculum for their learners. And really that, that means that there's some faculty development that will need to happen so that you all understand what is um, what it makes up a really good competency-based education curriculum. And then again, I talked about the assessments already, and I think this is an important piece of how do you evaluate or assess this? And so faculty are really going to have to make these connections for um, their learners so that they can see how demonstrating these skills make that connection to practice. And I'm not going to talk too much about that because I know Megan's going to talk a little bit more about that. Yeah, I really liked your comment about faculty
3: development, and Donna kind of spoke to that too, as far as understanding why is the NCLEX changing? Why are we moving to competency-based? Because um, I think it's important as faculty um, that they know, you know, where those decisions came from and and what that research shows. We pride ourselves in being an evidence-based profession. Um, And so naturally, things are going to change as painful as that is based on new evidence. And so I think it's really important to share that faculty development piece and the why
4: behind some of these big changes in nursing education right now. And thanks, Megan. I think that's a really important point that we just can't talk about enough. So, yeah, I think it's even though it's new in nursing education, there are other professions who have successfully adopted uh, competency based education in their professional preparation programs. And I think leaning into um, those professions and those education programs and seeing how they were successful at doing it is really going to benefit nursing education uh, and allow us to deliver this in a way that is meaningful, and prepare nurses that are ready to practice. That's excellent, Cheryl. So give us a little
1: bit of perspective, some meat on the bones, if you will, of what is the why behind the shift towards competency-based education in nursing?
4: Yeah, thanks, Danielle. And I think that's important when you talk about, you know, the shift in education. Where did it come from? And, you know, Really, this come, goes back to, you know, having those nurses that are practice ready, that are safe and confident and confident when they hit the floor um, and when they start practicing and, you know, they, they're still learning that they're going to have when they finish up and they graduate and they transition into um, whatever setting they're going to be working on. There's the learning about how the hospital runs and how, you know, what the order sets look like and. Who, how do I get a hold of providers and who am I working with? And there's a lot of administrative things when you are learning all the um, policy and procedures of a new facility. But on top of that, right now, nurses are also struggling with making the transition into practice where they're just not prepared. They are struggling with clinical judgment and they're struggling with trying to put the pieces together and really recognize that something is changing with my patient and that I know what to do when they when there is a change in a patient condition. And so, you know, this patient care is really an important piece and that being able to hit the ground running when they do graduate and being ready to practice is really, you know, I think what, helped out in building these competency-based education. The other piece is just communicating to our practice partners, what does a nurse look like when they graduate? You know, in nursing, we have multiple pathways to become a registered nurse, um, you know, with associate degree programs and baccalaureate programs and, um, you know, veteran programs and, you know, paramedic to um, registered nurse program. I mean, there's, So many, I couldn't even name them all if I wanted to, because they really allow flexibility of entering into this phenomenal profession. But with that, there's a lot of confusion out in the marketplace and with practice partners to say, okay, what does it mean to be a registered nurse? And so part of the, um, you know, what AACN is. Have decided to do with having these competencies is to say, here's what a new graduate is going to look like. Um, whatever program they come from, these are the competencies that they should have. You should expect them to be able to do these things. If they graduate from a program that is using this competency-based education, these are the skills they should have going into practice. And I think that helps also with practice partners understanding the product they're getting um, and what they have to do then to train them in their um, practice area of uh, all those policies and procedures that we talked about, and being able to get them to hit the run running. You know, we know it's really expensive to hire new nurses and get them trained. So, you know, I think this is a good move in being able to get those nurses practice ready. And then the other thing to touch base with is to think about patient safety and how important patient safety is in this equation. The level of expertise needed for nurses to go into practice now is much higher than it was even 10 years ago. And this is nurses being able to provide safe care. You know, we're coming out of, I'd like to say, and I'll find some wood to knock on if I need to. I think we're starting to come out of um, at least the worst of the pandemic and we are moving into that post pandemic world and what that looks like. It put a lot of stress on our healthcare system. And, you know, the patients were extremely complex. And so nurses were having to care for more complex patients um, with less training. And, you know, so. We want to be able to ensure that nurses, again, are confident in their own practice. So I think that's why being able to translate these competencies into something that makes sense for them will help them to be competent and confident in their practice. And then thinking also the last piece here is thinking about competencies that are so important in our everyday practice, like caring for populations and the health of our population and public health. And diversity, equity, inclusion and ensuring that the providers that are coming out of nursing school when they graduate understand the the health of a diverse population and how to look at things like availability of services in different area and health equity. Um, And also understand the social determinants of health and how it impacts a person's wellness and illness and how we as nurses play such an important role in being able to identify any areas that they may need some assistance in and then coming up with a plan and saying, you know, how can we get you to a point where you can be the healthiest that you can be given the environment that you are currently living in? So I think there's a lot of things here with competency-based education that kind of wraps it all up for um, you know why it's so important and um, so yeah I think it, it's we're really facing something unique here um, for nursing and it's it's exciting right now so thank you. That's so exciting and
1: so wonderfully insightful. Cheryl, thank you so much for sharing your insights on competency-based education. So many intersections on the why behind the changes to the NCLEX and the shift towards competency-based education, which all stems back to a patient-ready nurse at the end of the day. Very exciting. So that leads us to our final topic and how we're actually going to be able to meet students where they are and help take them from education to practice at the end of the day. So Megan, can you give our listeners some perspective on what they can do in terms of solution deployment to really best equip themselves to manage through these changes throughout their curriculum?
3: Yes, Danielle, thank you and Donna and Cheryl, great points so far. Um, So when I think about the future of nursing, I really think about how we as nurse educators can ensure that we are preparing and graduating students who can safely take care of patients in today's complex healthcare world, as Cheryl mentioned. Um, And in order to really uh, effectively prepare students There are three primary curriculum solution pillars that I really like to think about um, and making sure that a program has. So one is how are you going to help students build a strong foundation of nursing knowledge? Um, What resources are you going to use to make sure that they have that key content in your course? And then secondly, how can you help them apply that knowledge to real-world patient scenarios? As Donna mentioned, bringing the patient to the classroom. Um, What resources do you have to pull case studies up in class, simulation um, products that can help you um, to be able to create that real world experience in the classroom setting so that students have the opportunity to practice those clinical judgment skills. And then lastly, how are you going to assess whether they know what they should know? As Cheryl mentioned, how are you going to assess their competencies um, through your learning uh, resources, both in the clinical setting and in the classroom setting? What formative assessments will you use and what summative assessments will you use? So um, kind of three key things to think about when you're thinking about curriculum solutions um, for your students and promoting that optimal student experience. One of the best analogies I like to use for new educators um, is to think about students the same way that you think about your patients in the hospital. We really stress quality patient care And we also want to provide quality student care. In the hospital setting, how do we provide quality patient care? We frequently assess our patient. We effectively determine if a patient is improving or declining. Based on that assessment, we intervene early, hopefully, to promote optimal patient outcomes. And then we evaluate, did those interventions work? And we continue that cycle the whole way through our nursing shift. The same is true of our students. We need to have that same mentality um, in that cycle when we're talking about providing quality student care. How are we frequently assessing our students? How do we know if their performance is improving or declining? What are we doing to intervene early to promote those positive student outcomes? And how are we evaluating the effectiveness of our interventions? And this cycle should be frequently occurring all throughout a course and ultimately throughout a program to ensure that that student is ready and prepared to safely take care of patients. I think when you're talking about curriculum solutions and learning resources, you know, quizzes and student engagement, those can all be thought of as your student vital signs. We take vital signs at least once a shift to monitor patients in the hospital and we should have a routine frequency for taking our student vital signs throughout a course and a program to assess the overall student health um, and, and really think about what that means for that student's ultimate success. If students are not meeting benchmarks, either not completing their weekly assignments or not performing at the required level on an exam or perhaps clinical competency, if they're not meeting that competency-based uh, learning that Cheryl mentioned, think of it as a blinking monitor flashing at you in a patient room. Um, you know that a vital sign is off. The monitor is flashing And in a patient room, you would never walk away from that blinking monitor. So it's really imperative that we start to take action early when we see some of those um, cues and those red flags from our students and make sure that we're intervening um, before it's too late. In In a patient room, we're watching those monitors and our goal is always to intervene before the patient crashes, if at all possible, instead of just continuing to watch the monitor Link uh, read right at us. That's great insight, Megan.
1: Do you have any tangible examples or some of your your favorite best practices as it relates to you know giving students remediation or if you've seen that they they've fallen below that benchmark, what do you do in order to get them back up to where they need to be in terms of their optimal vital sign range?
3: Yeah, I think that's a good question, Danielle. I think it really depends on the resources that you have access to. Um, I think it's really important. We spend a lot of time as educators planning out our course and what textbook readings are they going to read? And, um, you know, how are they going to learn the content? And we don't really think a lot about the interventions that we would do if a student is showing, um, you know, a blinking monitor, their vital signs aren't where where they want them to be. So I think really the, the best suggestion is to purposely think about what are the interventions going to be if you assess that your student is declining or not on track, because if you wait until the end of the semester and you give a standardized exam or your final exam, um, you know, the patient is already coding at that point. And so any interventions you do then um, are kind of your last ditch effort and may or may not be successful. Whereas if you would have called a rapid response, Early in the semester, when you started recognizing those cues, that outcome could have been different for that student. So I think it depends on the resources you have available. But I think purposely and meaningfully thinking about what interventions are you going to do? Are you going to have, um, you know, Students take uh, an additional quiz if they're not successful. Or you're going to have them do a key study um, if they're not successful. Just not continuing to let them decline without intervening. I think is is so key and really kind of comes back to that analogy of assessing your patient early and assessing your student early and
2: often and intervening appropriately. Megan I really do love that analogy that you just gave about how assessing your you know assessing the students like you like we do our patients I mean that's really what it's about we have to keep our fingers on our students pulse just like we would keep our fingers on our patients pulse I just really love that. Same idea, I think that's a great analogy and I think
4: it is a reminder to all of us as educators, of how important it is to just really keep a close eye on our students and ensure that we can catch those issues before they become a problem. Um, Just like noticing when there's a change in our patient condition, can we notice when there's been a change with our learners and our students so that we can meet with them and put together a plan of how to help them be successful. So great point. I love it.
3: Yeah, I think so often, you know, it's like, well, they're not completing their assignment. So, you know, I can't do anything about it. Well, that in itself is a is a bad vital sign in a and a red blinking monitor at you. So I think just just thinking through how am I going to handle that when my students aren't completing their work? Because continuing to not let them complete their work for a whole semester is not going to lead to an improved um, outcome. So I think, you know, it is really important to just continuously be thinking about how can I help these students. And sometimes it's not even about the assignments in class. Sometimes they need to be referred um, to if you have like a school counselor or some, you know, it might not be necessarily a nursing class issue. They might need additional assistance. So just paying attention to those red flags and those, um, you know, decreased vital signs and kind of trying to get on top of those early.
1: That's such excellent perspective um, on making sure that you have action, those actionable insights and really taking uh, taking the opportunity to intervene with students before it is too late. That was wonderful perspective, Megan, and all of you. So that brings us to the end of our episode. Thanks so much to Donna, Cheryl, and Megan again for joining us during this intriguing discussion and lending your expertise on these extraordinarily important topics for our listeners. We hope this was beneficial to you all.
0: Thank you for listening to the Nursing Education Insights Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the lively discussion. Stay tuned for the next episode featuring Marian Harding, best-selling Elsevier author of Lewis's Medical Surgical Nursing. For resources related to this episode and more, go to myevolve.us slash podcast.